part one is the family of God, so being in a community of believers, the church. Part two is the home, so what it means to have a Christ-like home, a Christ-like family. And then part three is also at the workplace, so bringing God's ways into the workplace as well. So keep an eye out for these three as we move through. So I want us to look at the first scripture from Colossians 3, reading from verse 15. And this is when Paul talks about the family. And I believe that as we look at these scriptures today, as we look at these three areas of this scripture, that God is going to give you a new direction for each of these areas. Some will be more relevant to you than others. However, you're going to have something today to take away with you and to do. I want you to know one more thing as we look at this scripture. We said at the start that the Father lavishes his love upon us. Amen. Everything about God the Father is extravagant. Everything that he does is over and above. And you're going to see that in this scripture as well. That everything he does and everything he puts in us is far more than the the normal way of doing things. Does this make sense? So I want us to read from Colossians 3.15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of, of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. That's what we're doing today. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's what we did today. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want us to stop there just for a moment, just to look at this scripture here in Colossians chapter 3. Everything that we do as the body of Christ, as the children of God, is centered around the Father. Everything you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. So everything in our lives, our church life, obviously, our family and the workplace are all meant to center around the Father, the ways of the Father. Does this make sense? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all for him, with him, by his help. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see here that worship, especially when we come together, is not like the temple ways of the ancient world that they would have known the Colossians would have known, you go in a temple, you, you pay your dues to some God, some spirit, and then you go. However, as the church, we don't really do that. We shouldn't do that. We should come together knowing that we are the family of God and that we carry the Holy Spirit within us, amen, and we release life and light to each other through what? The word of God. How amazing is it when someone says, I feel like I've got a scripture for you, and they share it with you, and it's so relevant. Isn't that amazing? Or we sing out a song to God in the, in the worship, and that was, you know, that was the song for me this week. Like, that's the, that really hits home. And the Holy Spirit picked it for you. He picked it for you. I've seen many times, I remember once I was leading worship, and we had a time of 20 minutes, 
And I kept saying, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, we need to abide in the shadow of his wings. And we just, we just sat and we prayed and we let the Holy Spirit do a great work in that church in Cambridge that I was part of. And I didn't know that the message that week was about abiding in the shadow of his wings. <laughs> you know, that was going to be the message that day. And God had just orchestrated the word and the spirit together. And it was powerful. It's the truth of the Bible that holds us together. It's, it's being members of one body that brings us that commonality. In fact, the word for church is often community in the Bible or koinonia or commonality, right? And everything we do in our relationship with God, you see, God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They love each other so much. Before, before they created anything, they were, in, they were in perfect love and harmony with each other. But then they created a family of people, humankind. And as the church, we are part of that family of God. And we're brought into this extravagant love relationship with God that also is mirrored in our relationships with each other. So as the children of God, I've seen incredible generosity in the church of God. You know, I was part of a church once, and I remember someone who I knew was struggling financially. And uh, I remember at the service, someone said, there's an envelope for you in the office for this person. And it was something, it's like thousands of pounds for this person. And someone in the church had said, I just want that. I just feel like God wants me to give that lady this money. It was incredible, you know. God does amazing things, but he often does it through us. Amen. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're to be a generous church. We're to be going the extra mile. Treating each other actually as family. We're not just part of a religious club. We, we're actually family. I'm going to spend eternity with all of you. If you said yes to Jesus, because if you haven't said yes to Jesus yet, you're not part of the family yet. You see, God made you to be part of his family. But because of our sin nature, we live as enemies of God until he redeems us and brings us back into his family through faith in Jesus Christ, through the power of what he did on the cross. And so Jesus, who was God's only son, makes you a son of God, makes you a daughter of God through faith in him. Amen? And that is powerful, and that's what we're part of. So let's always remember that. You know, maybe some of us right now are waiting for uh, midweek groups to start, and I understand that. But I would encourage you, get to know each other. You know, go deeper. Like, spend time with each other in the week. Let's go for coffee. Let's read the Bible together. You know, you don't need the church to supervise that. You are the church. Amen? So just be released to do that. The home. Let's read the next scripture, the next part of the scripture. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Hold on a second. Put your guns away. (laughs) Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Okay. Now, I told you that sometimes the Bible says things that are not what we want to hear or the culture wants to hear. But I want to tell you this from here. Paul addresses men or fathers twice. 
the greater responsibility in the home and the life of the family is on the husband. Now, some people, you know, they live with people they're not married with and, and they try and make it work, but God designed it so that we'd be married to each other, man and woman, and they would have children who love their family and love the world, right? Godly children. And there's a responsibility on the man, the father, more than on anyone else. These are simple instructions, but they summarize all the things that we should look to do. It goes above cultural expectations, especially at the time, because you see in the Roman world, the Roman Greek world that Paul was addressing, uh, the man was like the, you know, he was like the dominant figure. He was like, you know, no one questioned him, right? Everyone in his house maybe had servants and slaves, that kind of thing. And yet Paul says, you know, don't be like the world in that sense. Be more like the father, be more gentle, be, be someone who doesn't embitter or wind up your children or discourage them. You know, the power of life and death is in your tongue. And so as, a fa- as the father in the house, right, the greater responsibility and the greater weight of words comes from the parents to speak life, to speak the word of God into the, their children, to be a mirror of God the Father to their own children. See, I don't want to just be like some dad out there. I want to be like my father, who is gentle and kind, but he's strong as well. And it goes above and beyond those cultural expectations like I've talked about. And then it talks about wives submit to your husbands. Again, in the society we live, with the influence of things like feminism and other things, it sounds like Paul's saying, you know, just put up with a difficult or abusive husband no matter what. doesn't mean that. In fact, actually, if anyone was suffering abuse here, domestic abuse, you'd have to get away, 100%. However, Paul, around the time of this letter, he wrote another letter called the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians. And in Ephesians 5, he goes a little bit further in explaining what he means. If we could just look at that slide, Ephesians 5. It says this, submit to one another. Ah, first, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife. But then it goes on to say, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So men are supposed to have a sacrificial love, just as Jesus died for his bride, the church. Men are supposed to lay down their lives, not just as a one-off occasion, but as a daily occasion, as a lifestyle, that we prefer one another in love. That I die to myself in terms of what I want and need all the time, and I put the other person forward. Now, you can ask Hannah if that's true or not, but I do my try and do my best. <laughs> All right? We don't do these things perfect. Now, out of that response, as a loving husband who has your best interests at heart, you... It's all right. As a loving husband who has your best interests at heart, you can submit to that. Submit means get on with each other. Submit means not fighting all the time with each other about every little thing. Does that make sense? That's what it means. Submit that you have a relationship, you have covenant with each other that isn't just tension all the time. That it's out of reverence for Christ and relationship with Christ that you come together and you look like the Trinity. You look like how God 
treats his wife, how Jesus treats his wife. And that how, do you see what I'm saying? This is what, this is, this is what it means. And so it, it's really important, you know, if, if you're always fighting with each other in the home about every little thing, you can't agree. You know, it says in the Bible, how can two people walk together if they're not in agreement? So you need to come together. And if you're not in agreement, if you're not seeing eye to eye, then you need to stop. You need to talk without the kids there. And you need to just have it out and just, and just sort it out. And if you need extra help, which is often the case, you know, we go 20 years, 30 years into a marriage without any real advice, and then it's like, help. You can get that help. And humble yourself and get it if you need it. Yeah? Part of that is, in the, in the life of the church, pastors and elders can help you to, to, to do that and to, to help you in that spiritual side. But then also there's those who can give you that professional marriage counseling as well. But oftentimes, we know what we need to do. It's just hard. <laughs> Amen? It's just hard to, to lay down having it our own way all the time and to be like God, but he expects us to. Okay? So that's the home. And of course, children as well. Um, you know, if children are in a loving environment with loving parents, then they will obey their parents. Amen? So, so that's the family. Again, going above cultural expectations. And finally, the workplace. And you can see that the workplace, as described here, is very different to probably what we face, but I will show you how it relates just as, just as it does to then. So it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart and working as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there's no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So as you read this about slaves and masters, you think, oh my goodness, this is a different world. It is a different world. The, the world of the Bible is a very different world to what we live in. There's, I, I, we're not going to deny that. You know, half of the Roman Empire were possibly slaves. Not always in the way that we think. It's often maybe like a, uh, an employer and, and servant relationship. You know, those who work in the home, they would be called slaves, but they're just employees in the house. And then there's those who would be harsh to their masters, harsh to their slaves. But if you think Paul, for one second, or the Bible, is endorsing slavery, you're completely wrong. Because one of the leaders of the Colossian church, his name was Philemon. Does that name ring a bell? Phi, right. It's that one page in the New Testament that you've skipped through. <laughs> Philemon was one of the leaders in the Colossian church. He had a slave, someone who lived in his house, called Onesimus. Onesimus... It looks like when you read the scripture, he, he stole something from Philemon's home and then ran away and somehow or another met Paul in prison around the time he was writing this letter. But Paul says, look, you're not going to stay with me. I'm going to send you back to Philemon's house and you're going to make things right and I'm going to help you make things right. So he writes a letter called uh, the, the, 
book of Philemon, which you find in the Bible, back to Philemon and says, don't welcome him back as a slave, welcome him back as a dear brother. So don't have cabin back in the same way that you had before. Remember to forgive him if he stole anything from you. Hey, I'll pay it, Paul says. And he makes a situation right. And we know, of course, that if it's in the Bible, that, that it, it happened, that God reconciled the situation. And so when it's talking about you know, the relationship that you're supposed to have with those under your care, and it's really important for those who are managers here or employ staff, that God, you're going to give an answer to God. God wants you to have managerial charge over those under your care in a Christ-like way. And likewise, if you're working a job, right, we get mad at our boss because we can't have Tuesday off, right? Slaves, masters beat their slaves, you know, and you can't have Tuesday off. But nonetheless, work for your master, work for your employer as if you were working for God. That is what Paul's saying. So not when they're looking, not when they see you doing something that's going to get you that bonus, but even when they're not looking and they might not have noticed what you did, God noticed what you did. Amen. You can be the best employer, employee in your workplace, no doubt, by God's help. And in fact, your boss would say, I want more Christians like this in my workplace. Because you're showing up, you've got a good work ethic. You, like it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Right? Proverbs says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It might be the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm not sure. And this is, this is what we've got to remember. If you're, going, if you're thinking about work tomorrow, and you think, oh gosh, my boss, right? Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. You can see their face now. And it's hard. Change their face into Jesus' face. <laughs> because he's actually your boss. And he will promote you. I want to I finish in a moment before I get into trouble. Someone I know, their, their father was a poor man in the rich states. And this lady's father was a poor man. And he moved to a different city, somewhere like Detroit, somewhere like that. And this man had very little money. He'd moved there. He was looking for work in the city. And he got his meal, and he sat down at the table, and he just said a simple prayer of thanks to God. Thank you for this meal. Just said grace. And there was an employer in that, built, in that dining hall who noticed him saying grace, walked straight over to his table and said, hey, I want to give you a job. And his job, that job changed his life. Listen, God is looking to promote you. God is looking to bring you forward. God will provide for you. But you have to do what he says. You have to have the attitude of Christ. You've got to work everything you do in your family, in the life of the church, in the workplace, with a Christ-like attitude. Maybe some of the problems you're facing right now in these different avenues is because you haven't done this. When you humble yourself, and when you start to do it God's way, and when you submit yourself to God in the way he's asking you to, you will find freedom. You will find that you're no, no longer fighting against uh, your wife, your husband, your boss. You actually have a greater relationship with them. 
because you're bringing God into it. Am I making sense? You could be the best husband and wife by God's help. You could be the best employer by God's help, best employee by God's help. But you've got to do it God's way. And ultimately, as it says here, that you will receive an inheritance as your reward. God in heaven, you see, we're not just going to heaven. God is right now, you are storing treasures in heaven. All of, the, all of the good deeds you're doing right now, God will remember and repay. Even the, even the little things that you've forgotten, he will do that. There's a battle for our significance. There's a battle when you go to that wedding, right, this year. Hey, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? And, you, and you're telling them, hey, I'm not working right now. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this job. You're not defined by your job. You're defined by the Father. Amen. God wants you to learn what you need to learn right now. He wants you to earn what you need to earn. And he will promote you in good time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due course. Amen. He will, he will promote you. He will excel you. He will lift you up. Should we just stand as we, as we conclude this? Has this helped anyone today? Amen. Some, some conversations coming later on. But that's good because the unfolding of his word brings light. Amen. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray right now for everyone in this church that we would have greater relationships with each other, family relationships with each other, Lord. Help us to show, to show us what that looks like. Lord, I also pray for all of our families here right now, every husband and wife, mother, daughter, son. Lord, I just pray right now for your grace, Lord, to do things your way with your help, to walk in your ways, Lord, to give us revelation on how we can represent you better in our homes. Lord, I pray as well, as we think about work or maybe not going back to work tomorrow, Lord, I pray for a grace in that, Lord. I pray that you would, for those who, who right now need work, Lord, I pray that you would bring work their way. Lord, I pray for those who have work but may be struggling in it. Lord, I pray for your grace on them right now. Lord, for those who fear redundancy, for those who fear change this year. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that by your grace, Lord, by doing it your way every time, you show up every time. So I pray, Lord, right now for every person this this means something to you right now i pray you bless them speak to them help them and equip them lord as they leave this place in jesus name amen amen should we give jesus a hand for his goodness hallelujah <clears throat>